Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every alien refugee, adoptive secret agent sister, Martian father figure, and megalomaniacal billionaire antagonist is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem. I'm Michael. And I'm Mandy. And today we're talking about Supergirl. Woo! Yeah, and I would say one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about Supergirl, Michael, is because I know you're such a Superman fan, and Supergirl is obviously related to that topic. She is. Uh, she is. And we were both really excited, I think, when they first announced this show, because it was about time we got a superhero show with a female protagonist. Yes. Um, and uh, then I was disappointed when it was going to, what, C- CBS instead of the CW? Yeah. Um, because I wanted it to be part of the same universe as Flash and Arrow. But um, yeah. But now I all guess. your dreams are going to come true. Sure, <laughs> kind of. Sort of. They have to do weird things now with, like, crossing universes and timelines and well i i don't think there's any way they could have added supergirl into arrow and flash's universe as they stood no Uh, they couldn't have but if they had started the show with the intent to do that maybe they could have done it a little bit more effectively or neatly than they're going to end up doing so but i don't know i mean i'm not too worried about it it'll be fun regardless Uh, yeah it's just you know looking at the arrowverse there's no way superman could have been in that universe for a while (laughs) Um, coming into this show, of course, we had some of the issues that we do with the the other DC shows, which is that they're kind of hamstrung by the film universe and DC's insistence that you couldn't have overlapping overlapping characters between the two or as little as possible. I mean, they're sort of stuck with the fact that the Flash is in both, but um, because he's such a major character, but. But with everybody else, like they were trying to, there were like no references to Superman or, you know, anything like that. And uh, in this show, they started off with the same thing where they would just tiptoe around, like they would say his name every once in a while, but they would not show him and do very weird things to intentionally not show Superman as if that would somehow confuse people. Yeah, Um, I I was a little confused about their, I mean, I know they're trying to make this Kara's show. Uh, Kara being, of course, Supergirl or Kara, Supergirl's name. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of like they're related, they're important, their stories are entwined, uh, and the things they did, they did to get around casting an actual actor to play Superman were kind of silly. It was, yeah, it it was dumb and kind of felt disrespectful to the audience, I feel like, um. It's not like we don't all know Superman's a character. Everybody in the show knows a character. Some of the people in the show know who his what his secret identity is. Like it's just a very weird. There's also, I mean, there's a big plot in this whole show that has to do with uh, which in the first episode, right? Uh, the what? What do they call the prison? Fort Roz. Uh, yeah, Fort Roz in the. F- And that came out of the Phantom Zone. Right. So Fort Roz is crash landed on Earth. There are like 20 Kryptonians on that thing. Or what do we call them? Kryptons? I I don't know. No, they're Kryptonians. Uh, And Supergirl wants to fight them on her own. Like, Yeah, that's stupid. I I feel like it's just a level of arrogance that doesn't actually seem to go with Supergirl's character. But because the writers just don't want to deal with having Superman in there. <laughs> so, so to step back a little bit, the premise of the show, of course, is that this follows Kara Zor-El, who um, was, uh, is Kal-El, and therefore Superman's cousin um, from Krypton. She was actually sent right after, uh, sent to Earth right after Krypton, uh, after Kal-El, when uh, the planet was exploding. But and She was 14 or 12 or something like that at the time. 
Right, while he was an infant. So she was supposed to land around the same time and basically watch over him. Um, but what, she gets thrown off course, actually gets stuck in the Phantom Zone for a while and is essentially in hyper, uh, hibernation. And then she, years later, comes out of it and lands. And, uh, and by the time she arrives, Superman has already kind of figured everything out for himself. Like, he's already a hero. People look up to him. And uh, she actually needs to be looked out for. Right. He's probably in-universe now at least 10 years, her elder. Right. Because he because she lands as a teenager still, and he's already an established hero. Right. He's already Superman at that point. So um, so he's, at this point, you know, he's got to be in his, in his 30s, you know, mid-30s at this point, at least, um, by the time this show actually starts. Right. By the time Kara is an adult. Because I think he's probably, he may have just come out as Superman when she lands, but he's right. definitely Superman. So the youngest he could be reasonably, I think, is like 22, because Clark Kent went to college, right? Like, he's a journalist. I mean, depending on the version. But yeah, in this, they, they do mention that he is a journalist as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, I, and just talking about this premise, one of the things I really enjoy about Supergirl as opposed to Superman is that having been a teenager when Krypton is destroyed, it's more of a struggle for Kara to deal with that grief than it is for Kal-El. Because Clark Kent is, to all intents and purposes, an Earth person. He's an American. You know, he he was raised in America by people in the middle of the country, like Kansas. You know, this is his home. He only finds out later that he's from Krypton, right? Right. Uh, She always knows she's from Krypton. She always knows she has to say goodbye to her parents who she knows are going to die. And that's something that comes back a lot because that's something that, you know, you just don't get over one night. Yeah, absolutely. Superman didn't lose his world. He discovered he had, you know, he discovered his ancestry, excuse me, he discovered his ancestry and therefore is exploring it as an adult. But, um, but, you know, he always has his home and any feelings that he has about not belonging, those are real themes and, and and so on. But, but Supergirl has them kind of in spades. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, in, in this world, she, uh, she has an adoptive sister. Um, and, uh, I think Alex is pretty great uh, as a character. I like her a lot. I like their interactions a lot. Um, I like how I much too. this show is about family. Yeah, and then I also really like that um, Kara is adopted, uh, but you know her new family because she's so old. They're not her mom and dad on the level that Clark Kent's parents are his mom and dad. Uh, right. You know, she refers to her foster mom by her first name. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, that this is her family and it's her earth family, but, uh, you know, that the, uh, Astra is equally her family. Right. right. Whereas the Superman, if, if he encountered Astra, he would not have memories of her. He would not know who she is. It wouldn't really be. Yeah. It, it would be like a, look, if you want to be my family, you have to do the work to establish that relationship because we don't already have it. Right. You know, and, uh, and, and it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, I'm not adopted, but I, I understand, you know, that there are lots of different dynamics when people are adopted about, between, like, who – of the people I know who are adopted, like, who were quick to kind of take on the their adoptive parents as parents and who took a lot longer for that transition, you know? Um, and some of it does have to do with what the relationship to other parents were and how young – you know, how young they were. Like, if they were – if um, – and in this case, like, 
Kara, she lost her loving parents in over the course of, you know, a, in a really bad situation. And it's not like they would have voluntarily given her up if they had any other choice. Right. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit different from uh, Clark Kent's relationship. Uh, but that said, Alex is really like, the, you know, she views her as her sister and they're kind of best friends, which, you know, is kind of, I feel like, the one of two ways that relationship could have gone when you meet someone when you're a teenager like that. You're either going to become BFFs or you're going to hate each other for all eternity. Right. And they like, do address that too. Like yeah. they, uh, which is pretty great. Like they address some early resentment, um, which is, which is good because that feels realistic. Um, so kind of going back to how the, how the show like starts off, um, uh, we also get thrown in just to anchor us in this, this Superman world. Uh, we get James Olsen. Um, I guess he's, he, he's, J- you know, Jimmy Olsen. Um, I do appreciate that they ca- cast him as a, you know, minority character because his race really is wasn't, unimportant. <laughs> yeah. Like it's unimportant to his history. Like the important thing is, Hey, he's Superman's friend. Though and, it, it is kind of funny that in the context of this show, Jimmy Olsen or James Olsen is this accomplished, like hot guy. When I feel like in context of Superman, they always kind of cast Jimmy as like kind of the nerdy lesser, you know, yeah, d- bumbling kind of character. But can you also imagine that if they met when Clark was Clark or like when Clark was like had barely even started or not even started as Superman yet that he could have been like, you know, it, it, there's a good chance that Clark basically helped him come into his own. Um, which is, I, if they referred to it, I, I would bet that that would be a reason. I, I think it Superman. also has something to do with the comparison against Clark, right? Like uh, for, for Jimmy and the comics, it's just kind of supposed to underscore. I feel like how awesome Superman is. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy, even though he's not a teenager, is kind of in the Robin slash, you know, Bucky kind of role to Superman, even Superman's though... Superman's pal. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's a very interesting change that I still think works. And they still kind of deal with uh, James's um, fault, if you will, if you can call it that, of whenever he gets into trouble, his first response is to call his superpowered friend, right? right? So he's still, even though he's more confident and uh, attractive than he might normally be in a standard Superman comic, he, he's still not perfect, right? right. This, this is still a flawed character who's, you know, I, a coward is not the right word, Um because he's willing to go into trouble and stand up to things. It's just, he has this instinct that as soon as things get too tough, he's calling in his, uh, uh, well, he's given a crutch. No one else is given. Right. Right. That's what it is. It's a crutch. It's a crutch. He's constantly willing to call on. Yeah. And really that doesn't get a, like that doesn't get fixed in the show. Right. He just switches who his crux it crutch is. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, and I think, and I could be wrong, but um, did James come? I, I don't recall. Did James come over to uh, what is Cat Grant's paper? Catco. Catco in National City, which is another DC made up city. Um, the uh, does he come to Catco because that's where he was going to go, or because Clark sent him to, or asked him to? Like, to I look feel like him? it's mixed. Um, I feel like partially Clark sent him, but I also feel like Cat offered him a promotion. 
So, because uh, my understanding is that the Daily Planet, he was just kind of a photographer. And Kat made him, like, head of the whole, like... Like the creative department. Right. Um, so, it may be that Kat offered him a promotion, and uh, Superman was like, hey, my cousin works there. You should check on her. You know? Because yeah. she wasn't... He came there before she came out as Supergirl. So yeah. Yeah, it can't yeah, be right. that he came there because she was Supergirl. But I think Clark probably still was like, hey, check out my cousin. And we do find out later on that he had specific reasons to get away as well. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it may be very well be well if you're going to go over there anyways, you know, you should link up with, with my cousin. Who's cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, cool for Clark's definition of cool. Clark is a nerd. Yeah, well, yeah, but it, I mean, A, we don't know that much in this version, but also Clark is a, f- like, all of his awkwardness and goofiness is a show. Like, that, that's true, but I still think Clark Kent has a little bit of um, nerd in him. Not, he's like which a moral is, nerd. Like, she's good and therefore cool. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, anyway, so, yeah, going going back to, to, to this, we are also, it is in the first episode that we're, we find out about Alex's secret job, right? Yes. Yes, that uh, she works for the DEO, the Department, the Department of Extra Normal Operations. Yeah, and I always would forget that and I'd be like Department of Extraterrestrial something. <laughs> I was like Department of Extraterrestrial Organization. Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. That would be you could totally just call it data but misspelled. <laughs> if they did that. Oh, they missed it. They missed it. Yeah, yeah. So she works for the DEO who we also find out pretty early in this episode they uh she was brought into the organization because of her relationship to Kara who the DEO knew was an alien um she finds out with us as well so that's yes. a there is a an important emotional beat there yes because the, everything in her life is because of the one thing she thought she had earned herself is still because of Kara right uh that said she deserves to be there she's like a uh, scientist slash doctor in her own right and right. Uh, is very good at her job. Uh, but the we learn the DEO is led by this man named Hank, who by the end of the episode, we know there's something up with him just because they flash red eyes. Uh, but we don't necessarily know what that means. So I want to also tell you um, that there is a there's background to Hank Henshaw, because when I saw it, like Hank Hen- Henshaw normally is actually a supervillain. Um, so when I heard his name, I was like, wait, okay, where are they going to go with this? I actually um, am wondering if when they originally wrote the pilot, they intended for him to be a bad guy. But then they were like, eh, let's make him good. <laughs> but, but to give you like, it, normally he is a villain who has a robotic body. So uh, that's where I thought they were going with his red eyes. It's like, oh, he's a robot. <laughs> like, I did not know that. So, um, so he it, could it's, still come back as a robot. Yeah, they, they totally could. I mean, we can we can get to that. Later, well, I guess we should say that we're probably at the point where we need to start spoiling a lot for the show. <laughs> so um, uh, we can say that how we feel about the show before we get deeper in to scare people off who might want to actually go watch it. Um, how I feel about the show overall? Yeah. Like, would you encourage people to go watch it, I suppose? I think I would. Um, it's not the best superhero show on TV. No. Um, but, uh, it's 
not the worst either. Um, and I like a lot of the characters. I like some of the beats they hit. They actually have made me cry. And I would say that uh, Kara herself, uh, what's the actress's name? Um, um, uh, oh, I know this because she was on Glee. Yes. Uh, uh, her last name's like M- Melissa Benoist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is a delight. And I think even if the show were worse than it is, I would still watch it for her because she's just so much fun to watch. Like, I just smile a lot when she's on the screen because she's just so pleasant. <laughs> I I will also say that um, some of uh, I think the show appeals a lot to girls. Uh, some of the middle schoolers I work with, you know, they don't watch Flash. They don't watch Arrow. They're not interested. They don't like it, but they watch Supergirl. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that is a thing because you would hope that'd be a thing. And that's one of the best arguments that we have for saying like, hey, we need more shows that have females in there. You know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we talked about Jessica Jones, right? Like, uh, it's okay to have cheesy, uh, campy shows like Supergirl that appeal to younger girls. That, That does not make a show bad. That just means the demographic is what it is, right? Whereas Jessica Jones's demographic is like older people, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that doesn't make things bad, right? The you know obviously we The Incredibles isn't bad because it's family friendly, right? We right. we are on the same page about that. Um, and so, does Supergirl has it, have its problems? Yes, but I think Supergirl has stronger emotional beats than either Flash or Arrow at this point. Uh, I would say that's true. Yeah. Um, I think it hasn't, and I mean, maybe that's part of it is that it's still just season one, because um, I think that as things go on, you increase the chances that you can squander some of the emotional beats that you've already, you know, some of the emotion you've already built. But so far, they haven't. I think they've done a right. really good job of that. So I mean, uh, I, I I guess, you know, looking at the DC shows, to me, Arrow is the one that's the least, like, evokes an emotional response. I mean, I love Arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I and then Flash has its moments, but there were at least two or three episodes or moments in Supergirl where I legit cried. I was like, "Oh, I yeah, there there were multiple moments as well." So, um so yeah, that all that to be said, I think we're both recommending it pretty strongly for people who want that in a superhero show. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I think it's a great addition to the TV lineup. and um, I'm now, excited for it to be in the same universe as Flash and Arrow. Yes. So uh, let us uh, officially warn everybody off. We're going to start talking about everything with spoilers now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, let's let's go into how, uh, how the season itself had kind of un- unravels. Well, I think one of the characters we didn't talk about in our intro when we were talking about all the characters, well, there were two. We didn't talk about Wynn or Cat. Um, so Wynn is Kara's best friend who is played by, uh, um, oh gosh, I just forgot his name. Let me look. Uh, Jeremy Jordan, who I, uh, love (laughs) because Jeremy Jordan, uh, for people who don't know, was, uh, Jack in the original Broadway recording of the Newsies, (laughs) uh, which I love. I love the Newsies. Um, he also had a really unfortunate character in Smash. So if he's familiar to you and you watch TV, it's probably because you saw him on Smash. But I hated his character on that show. Um, but I'm uh, familiar he, with Smash. He basically plays her best friend, who's the IT guy at the office. 
Um, He's the comic book IT guy, which means he has magical powers that somehow relate to computers. Yes, yes, because in <laughs> comic books, that's how IT works. Yeah, uh, and um, he's one of the he is the first person she tells when she does uh, the Supergirl thing. Yeah, well, keeping in mind that James already knows, but I think she tells when before she knows James knows, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I forget a about that um yeah but uh so and that does though lead into a bit of a, a common bit of tension there's a lot of tension between win and james throughout this uh season because win has a major crush on kara I, I would say it's not even a crush i mean they he really knows her so he's totally in love with her, with her and um and uh kara has a crush on james yeah. and so you have this little predictable Love triangle. Um, and uh, so there's, there's a little bit of resentment from Wynn that James knows all this stuff until he kind of learns about James's other... Co- well, I mean, it's still there. But it makes sense considering James's connection to, to Clark. But Yeah, and, and that's resolved later. And we'll talk about how I feel about the resolution. But yeah. um, the other character is Cat Grant, who they work for, who is a, a Devil's Wear Prada type boss she is the miranda Priestley type character in that she's like too hard on everyone um but means well and uh and we're led to believe has a heart of gold in there somewhere yes (laughs) (laughs) um and so yeah they they, uh kara is her assistant so unlike clark who's actually a journalist slash reporter reporter kara is getting coffee and making appointments for cat it is pretty humorous of course that they felt like she had to work at a newspaper too i I did think that was an interesting choice i'm like why would she also go into journalism so there's one point where they there's one time they played with that and i thought maybe that was going to be the interesting point because if she ever lets clark's name slip then people around her will know who he is and that's uh, and there there is some benefit to that, but they they've only used it once, where like Kara just mentions, oh well, you know my cousin Clark, and then Wynn is like, wait, Clark Kent is Superman, yeah, <laughs> and and so that's a funny moment, and it actually puts some extra danger on her, and I think that's a fun little, but they don't use it more than that. They're, that's literally the only time they use the the fact that they both work at newspapers. As I a, just think. It's a really interesting choice because for Superman to go into journalism, to me, it there's two aspects to it. One, he was raised on Earth, and having a career like a journalist is a normal Earth career. Right. <laughs> two, being in news allows him to know what's going on faster than the average person. Right. So he knows things before they happen. But Kara, at the beginning of this, she is not actively supergirl so that can't be a reason why she's there and to like uh, do they even have news on krypton like i mean what did she want to be for the first 14 years of her life why didn't she go into law like her mother you know like i just have so many questions like i'm not saying she couldn't decide to become a journalist maybe she had a really you know a great experience in high school with, you know, visiting Clark because Clark was probably already a journalist, right? Maybe she visited Clark and saw the Daily Planet and was really inspired. You know, there's a lot of reasons why she could be a journalist. I just feel like they didn't give us any reason. Well, and this is a thing that um, I will want to talk about because Kara is not a strong character at the beginning. And I mean, 
which is okay because the show is very much about her growth. Um, it's, you know, the problem would be if you persistently have a lead character who's a weak character and female, cause you know, that's a problem. The audience yes. deserves better than that. What? I said, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> but, uh, but I would say that maybe, and this is, a, you know, I'm just proposing this, but maybe they're really putting it cause she's not really even a journalist. Like she's an assistant, like, an, you know, I guess an administrative assistant kind of, kind of thing. And it feels like so much of her life on Earth has been trying to blend in. And so maybe that's kind of like, a, well, what is the most innocuous thing I can have? I can just be someone's assistant and do what they ask me to do. Um, yeah, but being Cat Grant's assistant, that's like, I mean, as is shown later by the character of Siobhan, that's a position people would take to get in, right? right. To, it's not like being some random person's admin, right? Like, you, you don't become a lawyer's legal assistant to become a lawyer, right? I, I mean, not a legal assistant, admin, right? That, that's not how that works. But in journalism, in something like this, or like an example, Dever, Devil Wears Prada, like, those are actual ways to get into these organizations. Uh, so, so the, I guess the only comment, or the only thing I could propose in addition then is she, uh, you know, she just goes down this administrative assistant path, but she's good at it and therefore, you know, gets put well, into a good because she has super hearing and can anticipate cat's needs before cat knows she has them because she can hear cat muttering under her breath and coming up the elevator. And, you know, she'd and be as the a best has, assistant. <laughs> yeah. She'd be the best assistant. And she has just this endless supply of patience when she's not on red K, um, uh, uh, which we'll talk about, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. There are, there are a whole bunch of things. I uh, Maybe it just really wasn't thought through. And they're like, you know what? Let's just put her in a newspaper and move on. You know, and it could be because, going back to headcanon-esque reasons, Kara is so meek and just go with the flow that maybe it was literally like Clark said, hey, I got you this job. <laughs> yeah, it you could know? totally be it. If she just didn't know what she wanted to do. And he's like, okay, well, here you go. And it's clear that he wanted her to do to start doing superhero stuff when she's ready, right? Yeah. Um, that's established pretty early, so maybe she's he he was thinking something along the lines of you know it'd be helpful for her to be close to seeing all the terrible things that are happening that if she feels compelled to help she can you know um, so we could like as you said headcanon we could ascribe that to Clark and just say like hey you know here you go he he knows she's kind of passive but has it in her to not be and so just. Have yeah, the door there and, so and while we're to. talking about that, I, you know, you mentioned this earlier, and we were talking about it when we talked about the Red K episode. But Clark pretends to be meek. Kara is meek, right? And, and that's a critical difference, I think, between their characters. And you know, I, I think in a lot of ways it makes sense. Kara experienced a huge trauma that Clark never had to experience, and not that his planet didn't explode, but he was a baby. <laughs> You know, like he, he doesn't remember that. And she has this huge trauma of literally losing not just her parents, but everyone she ever knew, yeah. which would be pretty traumatic. Um, and, uh, you know, we get some flashbacks later where it shows she tried because she knew she had power. She knew who she was. You know, she tried to save people early on and basically being told by her parents, don't you do that. You have to blend in, you know. And so there, there's a lot of reasons why she could be the way she is. But like you said, a lot of this season is kind of about her coming into her own, though she's certainly not fully um, unmeekified. I don't know. What, <laughs> uh, emboldened? <laughs> yes, emboldened yeah. by the end of the season. She's just uh, more confident. Yeah. And, and that is probably 
the, I mean, that, not probably, that is easily the most significant part of Kara's arc. And I think a big theme of this show is, you know, as we know, women are encouraged to be meek much more than men are in our society. And so that's another thing is, you know, for Clark, pretending to be meek is a way to be overlooked. Um, For Kara, like, being meek is a reaction to her past and an encouragement to kind of fit in with what society wants her to be the most, you know? Uh, And in fact, in this show, other female characters take her to task for being too meek. Yes. A lot. Which is great, (laughs) I think. Um, So so, these first couple of episodes are all kind of uh, Monster of the Week-ish. There's a... Uh, she fights like a Helgramite or something like that. Uh, she does discover Astra, who is her aunt, is around. Um, but it, there's a lot of like, who's the super bad of the day? Um, which is fine. Um, that's not a knock on that. But uh, really, the only hint at bigger storylines in these early episodes is Astra, who is Kara's aunt, who is on Fort Roz. Roz. <laughs> and uh was which was a prison there. made by Kara's mom. Yes. Because <laughs> Kara's mom was like a judge. I think so, yeah. Um and so there's several escaped prisoners from Fort Roz, and that's part of what the DEO does, right? Is uh if if there was no Superman, the DEO would be the one stopping these uh um Right. Bad guys. I, I think it's interesting that the DEO, they don't have kryptonite. They made kryptonite, <laughs> uh, which I think is really interesting because, sure, if something, I suppose you could make kryptonite in a lab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would it would make sense. Uh, and, and, I mean, you think about it, you and I had discussed this on Twitter recently about kind of the silly premise sometimes behind, like, why so much kryptonite exists a lot of the time in Superman stories. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think in the best ones, there's only a little bit, bit of it. It's really rare. It's really expensive. And it all came along with Clark's capsule. And so it's, uh, you know, so somebody really rich, like Lex Luthor, gets his hands on it early. And then after that, that's it. Um, that's basically the supply. That but, said, I think the made kryptonite here makes more sense with why Red K is a thing that exists. Yes, I, I do agree. <laughs> because I never understood in regular universe why you would have different types of kryptonite. Like, it just... It's like, that's not how radiation works. That's not yeah. how radioactive decay works. You I, know, it's, it's like, yeah. Are they I different don't. materials from krypton that are all, like, radioactive? I, I don't really understand. But here... Yeah, and, you, you know, and I feel like you end up... You wouldn't have giant blocks of it that stayed intact and not intermingled that far away from Krypton, I feel like. Yes. (laughs) Krypton is not that close to Earth, okay? Like, the debris from Krypton should not be landing on Earth. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, I I feel like this is the one time where I felt like Red K made sense in the how it exists, though we're not to that episode yet, but uh, because it's all about making things in a lab to stop Kryptonians. So I think it's interesting that the Kryptonians were able to create something to stop Kryptonite. Yes. Like, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because it's science. Like, now yeah. that you've gotten science involved and, like, man-made created things, it's like, well, the Kryptonians are ahead of humans in science. So if they can create a poison, well, why can't they create an antidote? <laughs> like, right, right. Um, and if it's radiation from the kryptonite, why can't you create a shield against the radiation? Like, you which, know. Uh, in some Superman stories, they do, like, he does actually have, it's essentially a lead suit that, you know, would be too <laughs> much for other people suit. to move around. 
I mean, you know, in, in very early versions of Superman, it was explicitly a lead suit. In later ones, it's some alternate material that blocks radiation. But, like, Superman does actually have alternate suits that are provided to him that are just like, okay, yeah, this person has kryptonite, then I need to wear this suit. And, yeah, this suit isn't as tough as my skin, so I need to be careful it doesn't get destroyed and therefore expose me. Um, and uh, and it also would be too heavy for other people to move around in, but I'm Superman, so it barely slows me down. Yeah. Um, but, uh yeah, it's a uh, it's fun. Uh, so one of the inter- you already mentioned it, but uh, it's just funny though with this whole thing with Alora being, you know, coming up. We're, we're in a sensible universe uh, when Alora is revealed. She would Kara would just be immediately be like, "Hey, Clark, um, there are other Kryptonians here. We need to deal with this together." Right, because- you mean Astra? But uh- oh, sorry, Astra. Yes, um, because it's just that it, it's not. There's one thing to say, like, hey, I don't need your help every single time something in the city happens. But hey, there are other superpowered villains here. It is stupid and irresponsible to do it on your own. See, I feel like if she knew it was just Astra, I could see her not calling Clark. Because she has a relationship with Astra. She's trying to save Astra. And one-on-one versus a Krypton Krypton person that she's not entirely convinced is evil, I could see. But as soon as Astra reveals, which is early, that it's not just her right? Like, there are, like, 20 other Krypton people. Uh, that That's when it becomes stupid not to well, call But Superman. we also know there are other superpowered things from Fort Ross, so it's yes. like, okay, we have at least one Kryptonian and superpowered you know, villains. It's like, look, together we can stop as much damage happening. I, I mean, and it's not, they can both fly real fast. So, <laughs> so I don't think that there's much in the way of so, uh, in the second episode that is the one that i believe superman does save her in or maybe mm-hmm. the third um there's one where she fights a former superman villain uh reactron that's his name yeah. and uh, that's the third episode my apologies um and uh jimmy olsen calls superman to come save her but we still don't really see Superman. I mean, we see him, but he's, once again, he's not an actor. He's all CG. Um, and the truth is, if, again, if they hadn't been hamstrung by the film universe, I would bet that they could have done much better and sensical, like, some interactions between the two that made a lot more sense. Um, which we'll get in season two. But, yeah. Hopefully um, they'll find some way to hand wave, like, to just, like, retcon a reason why Superman was around so little. That makes sense, rather than just, oh, I wanted her to try this on her own, even if it meant more people died. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. People, um, Superman's not okay with people dying. No. And neither no. is Kara. And Unless you're in the DC film universe, in which case, you know, he is. But. And neither, it, Kara is not actually prideful. Like, she wants no. to do things on her own, but she's not stupid. Like, and they kind of made her seem a little more prideful than I think makes sense. Um Yeah. Uh, we also meet in these episodes uh, Lucy Lane. Yeah, who I think we're supposed to be irritated by early, and then, <laughs> and then grow to like as time goes on. My problem with Lucy Lane is not so much the character. <laughs> it's my problem with these things where it's like, oh, of course Jimmy Olsen is dating Lois Lane's younger sister. And well, it's just but like... that makes sense, considering he's really good friends with Clark and Lois, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I actually do think... I, I think it... It was less of a stretch than because again, like if Clark and Lois really like Jimmy, why not set you know like set him up with Lois's sister? But their relationship is very awkward. Um, yes, and Lucy is a uh, she's JAG uh, for the army, so she's a army lawyer. Um, 
and, who works for her father, which I'm pretty sure is not allowed. But uh, TV universe, so what can you yeah, do? We don't need to know how lawyers or the military work. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure in the military, you're not allowed to be under the direct command of uh, your father. Because <laughs> I have known a couple of um, lieutenants and captains whose fathers were colonels. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure... That doesn't work that way. <laughs> Granted, a general has a huge swath of you know people he's responsible for. So at that point, maybe, uh, maybe once it gets because, elevated past a certain point, right? Like, you're so far removed at that point. But the fact that they work so closely together, I find uh, skeptical. Although that said, this is only one project of his, so yeah, no, yeah. So I mean, so it could be that like, yeah, it, they're working really close in this context, but he's working that closely with a whole crap ton of people at different times. And we have the standard setup of the DOD does not trust super yeah. people. Um, um, and in this context, also, it's really interesting that Hank Henshaw does not tr- does not like Superman because he's not under the DEO's command, basically. Right. Um, he doesn't dislike him explicitly, although it feels like early on he dislikes him more than they let on later. So I, I think that lends some credence to your theory that maybe he was going to be a villain initially. And so he and just they had, changed it. And then they changed it because I don't feel like who Hank turns out to be should actually have much uh, distaste for Superman. I mean, it could just be because of who he is that he believes that superheroes need oversight, <laughs> which, sorry, is a little civil worry. But yeah. uh, And the DEO provides that for Kara. I mean, there's not much they can do if she goes off the rails, uh, other than, I guess, a crypt. Uh, Green, what kryptonite? I, we can spoil uh, it. We, we've already said spoilers. So he's the Martian Manhunter, which means yes. he's from Mars. Um, I, I know it just feels like if there's one person on Earth who can understand him, it's Superman, because it's like, hey, look, I'm an alien and I've adopted this planet as my own. Of course, now Kara and he can have an even better understanding because they both lived lives on other planets. But, um, but you know, until he knows that Kara is a thing and and so on, like I'm pretty sure that they should connect pretty well in this universe. But, you know, regardless, it's we're, we're fine. <laughs> um, so there's a whole... So going back to... Because you were introducing Lucy, and uh, we kind of went off. Um, she and James are involved, which, of course, triggers uh, Kara's jealousy, because James is a very attractive man who already knows her secret, and she doesn't have to hide things from. Um, yeah. So there, there's something interesting... When they aired these on CBS, I remember there being a thing where an, a couple of episodes were aired out of order because of something that happened in the real world. And I don't know what that real world thing was. Uh, but one of the episodes was moved around. I think it's the episode with where she's ba- Kara is babysitting Kat's son, I think was supposed to be earlier than it is. Um, and when they, I watched it on Netflix, they did not reorder it. They had it in the airing order. And when you watch it that way, it doesn't make sense because basically they have Lucy show up and they're like, we need to talk. And then the next episode I watched had them going away to like wine country together, like they were back together. And then the next episode I watched had them get together and it was really confusing. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at it right here and it does say that uh, the fourth episode, how does she do it? Which, uh, is is the sun you're right that that was on november 23rd and then the week before that is when the live wire episode was right so, so. they left those 
in the wrong order on Netflix. So if you're watching this on Netflix and you're still listening, watch episode How Does She Do It before you watch Livewire. Watch How Does She Do It after Livewire. Yes. Livewire is episode... No, no. No, no, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. Wait. So... Yes, How Does She Do It is episode four, Livewire is episode five. Yeah, because otherwise the whole... It it made the the James-Lucy thing weird. (laughs) I was like, when did they get together? And then the next episode had them getting together and I was like... Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, but they do get together, which of course we all know Kara has a huge crush on. And she helps them get together because yes, that's who she is. she's that kind of person. She's nice. So, uh, and, and she doesn't like seeing her friends in pain and she actually legitimately likes Lucy. Uh, and so she does help them get back together, even though she likes James. But you know... To the point, you know, of relationships and things like that. If if James really had had super strong feelings for Kara at this point, he never would have gotten back with Lucy, despite Kara's meddling, right? Right. Like, so he still had feelings for Lucy, and I don't think he could have moved on to Kara without resolving those. Yep, absolutely. Um, because it sure sounds like he basically ran away initially. Yeah, because um, that's why he went to National City. One of the reasons, right? Yeah. Because uh, Lucy broke up with him. So he was the devastated one who left. Yeah. Um, so going into uh, into all this, I mean, we we be, get exposed to Maxwell Lord, who is the over-the-top <sighs> Lex Luthor equivalent of this, except not quite as evil. Um, but he has this... Uh, he definitely has the thing going where in a good Superman story, um, a good Lex Luthor is one who actually believes he's doing the right thing for humanity by stopping them from uh, trusting this godlike individual who could crush them beneath his feet if he wanted to. But because, but that compulsion, if you really, if he would be honest with himself, he finds out, you know, he, he would realize is a lie that he just tells himself to justify his actions because he's offered time and time again to help Superman. And if he would just be a good person, Superman would actually probably give him leverage against him to like, in case he did something. Um, you know, like he would know that Superman is trustworthy and Maxwell Lord starts with the same thing. Like it's not hard to tell that Supergirl is trustworthy, you know? Well, and and I think the interesting thing about Maxwell Lord is he doesn't like things that are more powerful than him that are outside his control. Right. Um, Because he creates his own Supergirl. Yeah. But he trusts her because he knows how to stop her. Uh, he knows he created her. And she answers to him. Uh, so it's not necessarily that there's someone with more, like, punchability than him in the world, right? Someone stronger. It's that it's someone outside of his control that he doesn't know how to stop. Right, exactly. Um, and some of his history, too, I mean, he talks about the history with his parents and them being killed by the government, so he doesn't trust the government. Um, and it's like, you know, that's that's fine to have as a motive, but dude, you got to be honest with yourself about what you're really doing. Like, this is not about correcting those wrongs. This is about control. And you are doing terrible things that are just as terrible as the stuff you're complaining about. Um, get over yourself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I am glad that they kind of bring that relationship. They improve that relationship over the course of the, the, the season. Um, that it becomes somewhat cooperative towards the end of the season, but not totally. Um, yeah, I'm fine with him being a reluctant uh, 
team member. I, of I also think it's really interesting, and I I think I discussed this on Twitter, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I was just thinking in my mind. Max Lord was a pretty effective villain who had a turnabout by the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the show felt the need to have two overarching uh, antagonists in the sense that you have this Astra non-storyline and this uh, Max Lord storyline. And I really wasn't expecting them, and maybe they haven't. Maybe Max is not redeemed, right? Maybe he just... Uh, but I, I, I was really surprised that by the end of the season, both of those are kind of wrapped up. Um, and I expect that Max isn't going to be totally redeemed, just mostly. Um, I expect that he'll play into some of the conflict in season two, but I did like it because one of them led to the other. Like Max is the only reason Max had the turnabout that he did is because of the other storyline, right? Like without that, he just would have stayed an antagonist the entire time because it depended on their cooperate, like him realizing, oh, we do need to cooperate. And she does keep putting herself on the line for us. So, um, and he, unlike, say, Lex Luthor, it was not so stubborn that he wouldn't be willing to see that. Right. Oh, sorry. So, um, it, we also uh, get some insight into kind of Kat, because Kat is such a significant figure in, in media and in her city that she has had a lot of uh, troublesome effects on people. As t- <laughs> um, and we get at least one enemy. We mentioned Livewire, the episode, and that is a villain who's basically created by Cat Grant mm-hmm. in in terms of attitude, if not power, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So um, that is one of the silly comic book origin kind of things where the two of them are, um, where, like, Kat, uh, like Kara is trying to save an employee of Catco and lightning strikes and gives, you know, gives her powers, gives the other girl powers, and that's... That's definitely a thing that's been taken from other superhero stories, especially other Superman stories. I've seen that a number of times. I was like, oh, okay, there's a lightning storm. That's how she's going to get her powers. And now she has the ability to disappear into electricity and things. And it's very weird. This was also uh, the Thanksgiving episode. So it introduced um, as a actual character and not just in flashbacks, um, Alex and Kara's mom. Yes. Uh, and the interesting relationship between the three of them. Uh, which uh, to me came across as very real. Um, the, you know, you're harder on your uh, biological kid that you've had for their whole life. And you're, she was easier a little bit on Kara because Kara had this trauma, came to them at like 14. And, you know, they're aware that they're not her quote unquote, you know, real parents in the sense they didn't raise her that whole time. And so they just try to like uplift and help Kara. And with Alex, she's like, you should have known better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and kind of like Alex is held to a higher standard, um, which to me felt uh, it felt real. There are real relationships in this world like that. And the interesting thing is, like, there's not tension between the girls on it because they both know. Right. And they're both upset by it. Like, Kara is also upset on Alex's behalf for the way that this is done. Um, yeah. And, and I really like that, that, you know, I I think that's, I, I don't want to say more common. I don't know. I don't know what people think. But I, I think a lot of times uh, TV likes to act like siblings are always going to be trying to kill each other. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes siblings recognize together what's happening right and and they don't blame each other for something that's not each other's fault yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I can speak to like personal experience with my brother and I. I mean, there there'll be times where, let's say, like he's in trouble and I'm not, and I would sit there, especially like when we were younger, and I would just go and look at him as like, I, I'm sorry, like I I realize this isn't fair either, and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of a we wouldn't resent each other for it because it's not like I did it to him, you know. Um, but then, but, uh, in the end of this episode, this isn't something that goes on for the whole season. They talk it out. Like adults. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you see it bubble up a little bit here and there, but it's not, it's like, oh, okay, good. It's been addressed a little bit, which right. is nice. I don't think it's something that's going to cause Alex to become evil in three seasons. No. Oh, <laughs> At least it better not. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, what is it? Um, superhero show bingo, which, of you know, in the first season, which of the main characters is going to become a villain at some point. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's... It's a terrible trope. That no one should become be a villain. <laughs> yeah, no, no one who's on the good guy's side should become a villain unless it happens like right away. Yeah, because that's just silly. Um, uh, but it's going to be down between Alex and Win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, can you imagine Win as a villain? Uh, <laughs> um. But uh, so in it though, I mean, we see some of. Uh, I think the episode with Livewire is the first time we really see any compassion from Cat. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, that's not towards her son. Uh, It's, uh, you know, she she goes and kind of, she talks about some of the problems with with Leslie and stuff, but you also get the fact that she feels much more positively about Kara, so it starts to, a little bit, uh, you know, gets directed towards her. For a while. (laughs) For a while. I mean, that that relationship is a very weird one. Um, Um, We get a red tornado is, I think... You know, one of our next little things is coming from, you know, Sam Lane. Uh, he's a military-produced fighting android, um, which, surprise, becomes Good. a problem. Yeah. Though it's not, it doesn't actually become sentient, which right. I was surprised by. <laughs> it's being controlled by uh, one of the guy they fired. Because, surprise, right. you fire someone, they get angry. Right. When you fire um, them over something that's basically not his fault. Yeah, so in the comics, just for some background, Red Tornado is sentient. So, um, so again, something that could have gone that way, but but this also to. sets up for you know Max Lord's like acquiring of different technologies to uh, right. fight against Krypton's Kryptonians. Kryptonians. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. It's again, it's also really interesting that um, so in this, I think. Uh, when is when the one who finds out about uh Hank Henshaw's that Hank was uh like worked with Jeremiah, uh, Kara and Alex's dad? I think he I think he's the it, one who finds out and tells them somehow because he uses his magic computer hacking skills to find things. No, I thought the mom told them when she discovered because Alex admits she works for the DEO to the mother at yeah. Thanksgiving, and the mother is like furious, and it's because she tells them about Hank and how he came and took Jeremiah away and then he died. But it okay. is Wynn who finds out that uh, Hank was with him when he died. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And so of course that gives them a uh, reason to confront him. And at this point, does Alex yet know about uh, Hank's powers? Um, I don't think he, she finds out until the next episode when Kara is human for Oh right, which which forces his hand because he uh, he has to reveal um, his powers because she doesn't have hers. So, but he only reveals them to Alex. Yeah. Um, 
I will say, so the the human for a day thing has some some hand waviness, which of course I don't really. We talked about this at length in our Superman episode. I don't really care about canon in Superman because you know it's all weird hand wavy superhero powers. But the fact that she needed adrenaline to get her powers back doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, no, <laughs> but you know whatever. I'll. T- I'll accept it. But it still um, created a nice moment where she stopped that bad guy by appealing to his or, hope and good innate nature while she was not powered. Yeah, she put herself on the line anyways. And if people knew that she was depowered in that moment, they would probably just love her even more. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that was is pretty great. And it's a great scene, too, because it's, it's totally a thing that she would that not a lot of other heroes are capable of doing. Um and it highlights really what makes her her, um, which I think is a thing that Cat Grant recognizes. So to give her credit, um, but yeah, in the, it is in the Human for a Day episode we find out that Hank is John Jones, the Martian Manhunter. Um, John Jones is spelled weird, just in case anybody is wondering. I, so I never knew how to pronounce that, and when they said John Jones, I was like, that is such a like. Yeah, no, that is <laughs> it's always pronounced John Jones, and it is spelled that weird way. J apostrophe O N N J apostrophe O N Z Z. Um, very weird. Uh, yeah, it, it's just you know awful, awfully co- awfully good coincidence that his name happens to be pronounceable in English. Yeah, and a common name in English. Yeah, you know how many John Jones exist in this world? Probably a lot. Gives him a really like you know in not this where he has the Hank Henshaw thing, but in like human versions where he just walks around as a human named John Jones, gives him a really easy way to alter an alternate spelling for his name to put on an ID card or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he reveals that the real Hank is who killed Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was trying to save John because they were basically hunting him. Right. Um, and since then, he has assumed Hank's identity, and no one knows this except for Alex. Yeah. She is literally the only person who knows. Um, but he is the last Martian because all the Martians got killed by white Martians? Yeah, it was a war between uh, green Martians and white Martians. So he's the last green Martian, and he had daughters who died, which explains why he's okay with being father figure to Alex and Kara. Right. Um, so we have uh, some actual fighting between Kara and her aunt. I think. Yeah. Um, and this is where it's revealed that when her aunt came to visit Kara, the last time she saw her on Krypton, uh, that's when the mom arrested. That's when Allura arrested Astra. And so Kara feels kind of used and is like questioning her, you know, mom, but she can't really crush question her because she's dead. She Uh, instead gets to question this Kryptonian hologram of her that only knows so much and can only reveal so much. Uh, but uh, there's also this this really interesting dynamic with that where they try to convince us that somehow there were problems with Kara's mom, but it's like, nope, nope, Astra's a bad guy, guys. Like, she should have been in prison. That was the right move. Um, and Astra, because she's the one who's around, does work on several times over the course of the series, like, does try to appeal to Kara's sense of fairness and and stuff and... And it's just like, okay, whatever she's saying is not an accurate representation of what happened because, like, yes, I you mean, can be mean as a judge, but the fact is, like, you were sitting here trying to take over the society, essentially. I mean, that know? said, though, Krypt- Krypton is not a utopia. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, and I think, you know, comparing Astra to Non 
it's clear that Astra could have been redeemed. Like, with time and effort, she could have, you know, come around. You know, if she was sent to some sort of rehab instead of a prison that just holds you in stasis for all eternity. I, I really don't understand Fort Ross. Right, but uh, it becomes a condemnation of the prison system, like, in terms of how you... The prison system and the ways that you avoid rehabilitation rather than a condemnation of, oh, I shouldn't have been sent in the first place. It's like, no, no, you're, you're a bad, you're a bad guy. You I mean, and, and I think that's like, the key that, you know, Krypton yeah. is not a utopia because in a yeah. utopia, you could have fixed Astra, right? right. For lack of a better word. Um, whereas non, you, you could have rehabilitated her. I mean, right. Rehabilitator. Uh, non is overboard though. He's completely like, he's a lifer in prison. Like he's yeah. a, He's like, he's not, he's never going to give you a reason to pull him out. And, and I mean, I think, I think that's the interesting thing about Astra is I kind of get the impression she's not wrong that they were destroying Krypton. Right. And right. then I feel like Nan was probably the only person who listened to her. And then he had these, you know, extreme tactics as he viewed it to try to stop it. And that's how, you know, he got her to be essentially like an eco-terrorist. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a complicated thing. Yeah, you don't have to be wrong to be a bad guy. Right. <laughs> like, is the, is the thing. It's like, you know, what you do is matters a lot in addition to what you're, you know, the why. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that's good. And it, it's, it does, like, it briefly brings in the question kind of, you know, Kara's relationship with her mom and all that. But I think they actually resolve that pretty well over okay. the course of the season. So, so question. Yes. Kara's dad is superman's dad's brother um i think so i think is that it's the how they're related because <laughs> they have the same they're both of the house of l but astra was not right because non had a different right so, so i want to say it's the dad side that is so because could- i know it's it's you know zorel uh excuse me um yeah zorel J- uh, rather zorel Jor- is is definitely yeah, I think it's Zorel and Jorel, right? Yeah. Yes. So it's not so in Krypton, they still the wife becomes part of the man's name. As far that's as what it know. sounds that's what it seems like, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to double check. <laughs> so that yeah, I was like, how are how are they actually related? I Yeah, so I think it is that their dads are brothers. That's what it seems like. Um so yeah, we we keep going. Um, there's fighting. We do find that Kara is just not as strong as the other Kryptonians, partially because she doesn't have military upbringing. Um, partially because she's like 22, 24. Yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah, so they they go. Um, we get Sam placed in charge of the of the DEO, right? Sam. Like, uh, Sam Lane. Oh. Uh, this is after they find out who he is, I think. But that's later, right? Um, like, um, so there's a couple of things that happened before we get to that. First, uh, I really like that Cat figures out that Kara is Supergirl. Yes, and then has to be convinced otherwise. Right, and the only way they're able to convince her otherwise is because John Jones can change shape. He and fly. He pretends to be Supergirl while Kara is Kara. Uh, yes. And so a cat sees the two of them together. I, I really like that because cat's not stupid. I don't see how anyone who has met the two of them could not think that they're like up close. Cat has met them both up close, you right. know? 
she would realize the truth. And so they have to actually do something to um, uh, convince them uh, otherwise. Uh, Uh, Which reminds me of one of my favorite parts of Superman, the animated series in the 90s, where Lois Lane figures out that uh, Clark Kent is Superman. And so, and this is right after they've had the first crossover, or it's during the, at the end of the first crossover with Batman and Superman. And so uh, Superman recruits Bruce Wayne to wear the Superman, or to, is it? No, 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 other way around. Lois Lane figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, (laughs) even though she still has no idea about Clark Kent. And so... uh, Batman recruits Clark to wear the Batman costume <laughs> <laughs> briefly so that he can see them at, at or so she can see them at once. And it's just hysterical, but yeah. Um, anyways, so going back to so this, yeah. The next episode yeah. before the whole Martian getting revealed thing is the episode where we discover Wynn's father is a supervillain or at least mm-hmm. a villain. He may not be super. Toy um, man. I yes. mean, he's a, he's a murderer. I mean, yes. He's killed multiple people. He's been in jail. Uh, Toy Man is also a historic, historically a Superman bad guy, but in this ca- context, it looks like he was just caught by police right. or whatever. Which kind of makes sense. He doesn't have superpowers, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, he kidnaps Wynn, and uh, the FBI are weirdly suspicious of Wynn, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and also, this is when um, Lucy leaves the military and joins uh catco yes which is all kinds of confusing and doesn't really i don't know it's a weird thing like i i feel like it would make i mean and part of it is that cat offers her a job explicitly because of her connections but still yeah i is this also the episode where win kisses kara or is that later i feel like that's later i feel like this is too early in the season still uh so the next episode is the one where they have the anti-alien senator come and yes. a white Martian attacks, uh, I guess trying to draw out Hank is the presumption. Um, because Hank's been using his powers more. Yeah. Um, and that has, like, I guess that the white Martian can smell that or sense that. They have, like, weird mind powers. They have a psychic connection of some kind, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I don't know if this is when Kara realizes Hank's an alien, but she definitely knows he's an alien now. <laughs> um, and uh, the well, she would have to in order. Oh no, we're not there yet, right? Because oh no, super- yeah, she would have had to have known when Cat found out she was Supergirl. Right. Yeah. So she knows. She knows. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this, and I think this is the episode, but it may not be where everyone finds out. No, that's later. That's later when they're fighting Astra that Hank reveals to everyone that he's a Martian Manhunter. Right. Um, but um, yeah, we, this is, uh, Adam is the, is Kat's son, right? Yes. This is, other this is when he comes her. up. This is the son that she, uh, lost the custody battle over cause she didn't really fight for it. Um, yeah. because she wanted to dedicate herself to her career and didn't think she'd be a good mom. Um, But she revealed to Kara that it was something that she regretted. And Kara sent Adam a letter. Ostensibly from Kat. I think Kat actually wrote it because she said Kat kept writing and throwing away letters. So I think the implication is Kara picked up one of the letters Kat threw away and finished it and sent it off. Yeah, I think that's the implication. Um, It's also, and so he ends up asking Kara on a date. Uh, she says yes, and it's in this time where we actually find an alternate Supergirl um, has appeared. Bizarro. Yeah. 
Um, and that goes right into the next episode, which is the Bizarro episode. Um, First off, can I talk about how Supergirl overused cliffhangers? Yeah, way too much. Every way- episode was a cliffhanger. Do you think that's a product of it being on a major network rather than a cable channel? I don't. Or and then one of the chi- because it's like Agents of Shield doesn't end in a cliffhanger every week. That's true. Sometimes it does, but not like this was like every episode. It's true. Although I mean, and I, who knows? I I don't really understand quite how these huge conglomerates work, but the fact that ABC is owned by Disney, as is Agents of Shield, maybe like. Maybe they can don't have to worry quite as much about the way ratings work and stuff. I don't know, but um, that could be completely false. But the CW or but the CBS. I mean, I know from my understanding that Supergirl's ratings, because you know, being on CBS was actually really, really high for a CW show, but low for us for a CBS show. Yeah. So like, um, and maybe that the cliffhanger thing was just a way for them to try and get you to come back the next. Next it week. was just really annoying. I really I hate agree. cliffhangers. Like I very much, and I was watching this week to week as it was on, and it was it was definitely irritating. Like I obviously wasn't. I marathoned it all on Netflix, but like it got to the point where I just watched the first five minutes of the next episode, and then I go to bed. <laughs> like why wouldn't they? Like it would be resolved in the first five minutes of the next episode, you know, or you know, at least made more clear. Like I, I just didn't. I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. So, um, uh, and, and so maybe in. when it's your marathoning on Netflix, it's even more like apparent that you're like, I'm already watching this. Like, you don't have to, yeah, convince me to stay. But uh, yeah, so Bizarro is revealed. She, we learn later, she was created by Max Lord. She uh, has all the powers of Supergirl, um, and uh, he has convinced her that Supergirl is evil, and she's some coma patient, um, and they have to take her down. Right. And she um, kidnaps Kara in the middle of a date, doesn't she? Yeah, something like that. Um, and Supergirl shows her, proves to her that she's actually a good person, which is goes against what Max has taught her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of has a meltdown. Yeah, uh, she does have a she has a meltdown, um, and partially because of Max's continued pressure. Uh, this is actually how Kara finds out that Max knows her secret identity because that's how. She gets, you know, when she does get attacked when she's out with uh, on her date. So um, kind of lets her know, yep, Max knows my secret, um, which is not awesome. Nope. Um, they also use kryptonite on on Bizarro in order to try and resolve the situation. But they have to make a backwards kryptonite, right? Right, because when they initially use it, it doesn't actually, all it does is deform her to make her look like what you would expect a Bizarro to look like. Instead of uh, actually, you know hurting her and affecting her powers. So they, yeah, then they have to do the backward thing because they figure out what was wrong and so on Yeah, and use it for real. So, and then because of these two episodes um, with Kara kind of dating Adam, who is her boss's son uh, and that Adam starting up a relationship with his mom. And then Kara breaks up with Adam because she realizes she can't handle dating someone that doesn't really know her secret and is therefore going to be in constant danger because of it. And it's not like she knows him long enough to trust him with her secret. Um, So she kind of breaks it off with him and that makes Cat Grant quite mad. Yeah. Uh, But the next episode is one of those episodes that made me cry a lot. 
Well, tell me about it then. Uh, so the next episode is called For the Girl Who Has Everything. And basically the previous episode ends with Kara getting attacked by some creature. And the next episode, we, it's called, we learn it's called Some Sort of Black Mercy, which I guess is basically a way they would give the death penalty in Krypton, but like mercifully, um, in that they could kill you, but you wouldn't know you were dying. And in the process of dying, you would feel like everything you ever wanted in life was granted to you. Uh, so all of your dreams would come true. So when Kara uh, is under the influence of it, she's back on Krypton. And it's as if she's always been on Krypton and her parents are there. Kal-El is like 14. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, she, this, is, this is what her life should have been, right? If Krypton had not been destroyed. Um, meanwhile, uh, Alex and everyone is trying to save her and it's actually Astra who comes to Alex and tells her how to save her, which is she has to shake the, uh, dream of, she has to realize it's wrong and shake it herself, which when you're being granted everything you ever wanted, it's very hard, especially since over the course of the dream, earth becomes more and more of a distant memory so eventually they uh they have max lord hook up this thing to send alex into kara's dream uh but even there like kara doesn't recognize her kara doesn't believe her uh and it takes a while and it's just uh it's there's a lot in there about the life kara should have had the life kara has and having to make that choice between you know an imperfect but real life versus, uh, you know, the life she always wanted and basically has to say goodbye to her family again. Yep. I cried. Um, yeah, it's uh, one thing I would like to highlight just as a bit of Superman trivia is this is actually heavily taken from a landmark story in Superman history um, from like the mid 80s. I want to say it's older than I am. I want to say it's like 85 or so is called For the Man Who Has Everything. Uh, and it is basically what you just described, but happening with Superman, where uh, I want to say Batman and Wonder Woman and someone else go to visit him on his birthday with gifts, and they find him in a coma, and, and somebody has put the Black Mercy on him. <laughs> and uh, and it's basically like him, exactly this, like all, all of his burdens are lifted, and he is living an idealized life and has to come out of it before it kills him. And uh, they are, there's also a, so if you're not interested in reading that, they made a Justice League Unlimited episode based on it as well that I highly recommend. Um, even, and you can get away from uh, watching the entire show. You can just like watch the single episode. Uh, although the whole show is great, but uh, it's really good. It's uh, so yeah, this has been a longstanding thing. And for whatever reason, they decided to put this uh to use this for Supergirl, and I think it worked really, really well. I, I think it, it worked really weird. well, and then it worked really well uh, juxtapositioned with the fact this is the episode where Astra dies. Yeah. Because in the Black Mercy, Astra is there, and yeah. she's part of the family. And it's Astra who reveals to Alex how to save uh, Kara. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the episode, Alex and Astra and Hank are fighting, and Astra has Hank at her mercy, and Alex kills him. Kills her, not him. Hank Which is alive. <laughs> makes this uncomfortable thing where now Alex is keeping a secret from Kara. Right, because Hank tells Kara he killed her. 
Um, yeah. and, and, it, and it's frustrating because, of course, Alex wants to tell her immediately, which was the right thing to do. But I, but, I love Hank's statement later that, like, uh, Supergirl, you know, is someone the world looks up to, but Alex is who Supergirl looks up to. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to preserve that, you know, for good or for ill, doing it right or wrong, right? Uh, right. But... Uh, because in the end, it's not like Alex did something wrong. Like, you know, it's like, well, she had to do what she did, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, yeah. I, but you totally understand his justification. Like, it makes sense, even if I And it gives Kara a chance to work through her feelings with someone she cares less about, Hank, having done this. And then when she realizes Alex did it, you know, she can forgive her almost immediately. Yeah. That's true. Although I also suspect that she would have been able to forgive Alex faster because she probably would have, uh, but you know, anyways, uh, um, so we go from that. Yeah. That I, I don't really have much to add to what you, uh, to what you said. Like, it's just really, really it's a great moving. episode. It's a great episode. It's a very moving episode. Um, lots of, lots of moving parts, lots of emotional parts and, so the next episode is the one with the master jailer, which I really think the only important thing about this episode is it kind of uh, creates this juxt- juxtaposition in Kara's mind about her mother that has less to do with her mother being wrong in that more to do with maybe Krypton's justice system wasn't perfect right. uh, because uh, there's this master jailer from the fort who is killing all of the people who escaped from Fort Ross, which you'd think is not a bad thing. Most of these people are like super evil, right? Right. But they're not all. There's one guy who was jailed for a smuggling run that he just like started. He didn't even like actually smuggle the things. He was caught like mid run trying to do it to save, you know, his wife, one of his wife's medical bills, uh, basically. And, uh, being freed on earth, he has used that as a chance to redeem himself and become a professor teaching people about the stars, uh, which, uh, you know, which I, I think is good for Kara, especially in light of the last episode to remember that Krypton was not perfect. Right. Uh, and it's a great, I, I again, I'm going to keep making these callbacks to Superman mythos, but the title of the episode, Truth, Justice, and the American Way, is, you know, a callback to Superman and historical Superman, where he himself is, like, he's about truth, justice, and the American way, or at least, you know, uh, for, you know, for a long time, that's how you would describe him. And the big, and the thing is, like, he would stand up for what is right, for for freedom, for appropriate, like, he would be in opposition to this Master Jailer, you know, unequivocally, and it's like, in basically ways in which Kryptonian society fell short of our ideals of truth, justice, and the American way. And it's just, it was a fun little... The title, the episode title is a fun little nod. This is also the episode that introduces Siobhan. Yes. Uh, I never, uh, I just didn't, I don't know. I I have to say, like, she's probably one of the, maybe the only character who I just didn't really appreciate in any way. Um, But you may have different takes on that. I have opinions on this more when we get to the stupid Red K episode. Um, But, I mean, Siobhan, the thing about it that gets me is it makes Kat petty in a way that I didn't think Kat was like Kat's kind of cold hearted, but this is like a complete not realization of she's punishing Kara for having emotions. Uh, Essentially because Kara breaks up with Adam, Kat punishes her by hiring a new assistant. 
assistant who she knows the name of and she's never known Kara's name. You know, she calls her Kira. Well, she pretends she she intentionally does that because every once in a while she she slips and says Kara's name properly when right. she's like emotional and defending her because you find she does value her actually. But um But yeah, I so I really didn't appreciate this and how it made Kat seem. I didn't appreciate it and how it made Siobhan seem. She's kind of Siobhan this- is just explicitly basically an evil person. Like she is a bad person. She's the like, kind of person who's willing to burn everyone else for her way to the top. I mean, there is basically nothing redeeming about her. And I don't like that. Because everybody else has some kind of dimension to them in this show. And Siobhan is just a really flat character. Um, it's like, what is the worst thing she can do as a person right now? That's what she's going to do. I also really just have a hard time with this name. <laughs> this is <laughs> Well, a- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm... Uh, yeah. We're we're not talking about my sister. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that so we we have Siobhan for a couple of episodes, including the next episode, um, where uh, Indigo. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's an episode with Indigo, which I it, it was weird because clearly Indigo is Brainiac. Um, like uh, again, Superman history. Like I looked at they it, they even it was call weird. her Brainiac, like Brainiac Eight or something like that. At one point, right? Um, oh well, yeah, and, and maybe. And the problem is, I think I think that she may be a version of Brainiac that I'm less familiar with because it's related to like the one of the teenage superhero teams. But I, so I'm less familiar with it. But to me, I was just like, oh look, it's Brainiac, and then they call it Indigo, and and, and that could just be me not knowing as much. So I. But anyways, um, she I, is Brainiac. I googled her so. because I was like, is she Brainiac? I, I don't know. And it, I, she's some sort of, like, part of Brainiac. Okay. Um, but anyways, so she is, uh, you know, because she's Brainiac, she's basically part of the, some part of technology based on the Kryptons, Kryptonian technology. She's this, uh, you know, looks like a person and stuff, but has powers and is all kinds of computerness, like can walk through computer systems and so on and um and therefore is ostensibly a weapon that can be used against earth and humanity so um uh, yeah, yeah I uh i mean yeah she basically she uses the internet to travel around um decides that she wants to destroy national city uh kara leaves the the deo because of of Hank. arguments because of the Hank situation. And so it's basically her, James and Lucy while the DEO tries to get win because he's a super hacker. Cause of course uh, he is. All it he... people are Michael. Are you not a super hacker? You work for computers. I, I do. I work, I work for computers and therefore <laughs> I can hack anything. Um, don't, don't tell, don't tell the, the authorities because <laughs> they would be... that's how that works, right? Your whole company just sits around, you know, being super genius computer people. Every single one of us, yeah. I believe it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we... Uh, so, they find out that... Um, that I think Lucy is the one who discovers that the target is actually a military general with nuclear codes. Yeah. So, this whole thing is just an attempt to get nuclear codes. Yep, um, to blow up the planet. Or at least National City. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not really... Uh, I also need to talk about the costuming for Indigo is just bad. Like... Yeah. The way she looks is not good. Like, it's not believable. It, it looks like a woman in body paint with a weird wig. Like, that's yeah, what she looks like. I'm, I'm with you. It, it looks bad. I agree. 
Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's one of the things I'm hoping will be fixed in the change to the CW because most of the CW costuming is decent uh, that they will make their costumes better because her and we'll talk about later Siobhan. I, I just can't. I can't. It is a little little bit of a bummer to me, though, because Laura Vandervoort, um, I like her a lot. She She's the one who played Indigo. Uh, she was actually Supergirl in uh, in Smallville. So she was she played Kara in Smallville. So it was like, oh, it's but I can't tell. And her costume's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it was unfortunate. But uh, but it was like because I really do actually want to see. I would love to see a bunch of Smallville cameos. Because mm-hmm. the timing is almost right. <laughs> to, like, you could totally, if you had wanted to, you could totally have um, Tom Welling, who played uh, Clark in Smallville, and he would be a, basically appropriately aged for Superman in this yeah. show. Um, now, the rest of the storyline doesn't really line up anymore, but but you could totally have him. And I think uh, I remember reading an interview where he's like, hey, I would totally do that if they asked me to. Um, just as a, and we just, you know different universes we don't you know but you can have little nods here and there um yeah but uh anyways. so this is also the episode where um alex reveals she's the one who killed astra which i appreciated they didn't let it fester very long it's like what two episodes later yeah um and then uh, uh lucy breaks up with uh james olsen and uh, Wynn and Siobhan have this weird uh, uh, I was going to say they're friends with benefits, but that's not even, they're not even friends. They're acquaintances with benefits, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a relationship of a kind. Yes. <laughs> so in the next episode, we get the red kryptonite. Yeah. Which uh, we discover is made by Max Lord, which makes more sense than red kryptonite just like existing. Though why he left it on the roof of a building, I, I'm, I'm not sure they ever actually explain that. Um, and, uh, I have a lot of trouble with red kryptonite in general. I think red kryptonite in general is a problematic plot, uh, prop trope thing. Like, I, I just, I don't know that I've ever liked red K as part of a storyline. And then like, because the only thing it does is break trust, but the actual hero is never in the wrong when it happens. Like, it's like, there's no actual responsibility for it. So it's consequence without without um well the person earning it you know like they, they, and then that's i don't like that it doesn't make sense um and the other thing that gets me is not I, I will buy that the things supergirl does in this episode are bad right she lets a villain go she drops cat off of a building like she does bad things but kara doesn't actually do anything bad as kara uh and it presents things that are not bad as because it's red kryptonite i'm supposed to think these things are bad like kara dressing attractively not even like like she's not even dressed skimpily like she's dressed a tr- like in a sweater dress thing that's form-fitting and it's supposed to be like oh look at her she's dressing like i don't know like, an like adult. other people would <laughs> and, and, yeah. and then uh the thing that really gets me is Siobhan being fired, being presented as Kara having done a horrible thing. Siobhan did a horrible thing. Yeah, it's like, you are you know, <laughs> basically it's this thing where, um, this really irritating thing growing up, where people would talk about, like, don't be a tattletale. It's like, wait, if somebody does something that's bad, you're supposed to tell someone. Like, I don't, what? You know, it, this whole thing with uh, people feeling as if, like, you're betraying someone if you tell someone else about, a thing they actually did that was bad. It's like, no, that's not how that works. It is your responsibility as a person to 
tell people. Yeah, about Siobhan was upset that, that this information she had about Supergirl wasn't going to be published. So she was going to send it to uh, the Daily Planet. And Kara told Kat, I don't... Yeah. Well, <laughs> she, she basically... Um, she leaked the information where, you know, and you could say the only thing, and this is not a, I, I mean, I'm agreeing with you, but the only thing that I would say is, okay, non-Red K, Kara probably wouldn't have said anything, which would have also been bad. And the appropriate action would probably, the best course of action would probably have been of more of like a direct confrontation, you know? Right. Be like, look, if you don't, you know, if you don't do something about this or like, you know, apologize to Kat and say, hey, I was going to do this, but I've decided not to, and I'm sorry, or something, I will tell her. You know, but that's like, okay, it's degrees of the right thing to do. Like, in the end, Kat needed to be told. It it just disturbs me that Kara standing up for herself, dressing differently, and, uh, I don't know, being a good employee is presented as bad. Right, and I I addressed this very early, where one of the good things about the show is that they, you know, it does this thing where other female characters call Kara out for being too meek. And this episode really does fly in the face of that. Like, it's a, it stands in stark contrast. It's it's really off message, I feel like. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's problematic. But I don't know that I've ever seen a thing involving Red Kryptonite that wasn't problematic. I, I feel like Red Kryptonite is actually much... It's much more the writer's kryptonite. Like once you once you've decided to use red kryptonite, your ability as a writer goes downhill. I, I mean, feel like. and the only thing this episode affects long term is now the city doesn't trust Supergirl uh, because Cat Grant has to release a message saying, "Don't trust Supergirl." She dropped me off the side of a building, um, and also and, Hank reveals himself. Yeah, Hank reveals himself because of the red kryptonite, mm-hmm. like because he basically has to help to bring Supergirl down. Um, which really sucks because, of course, she's going to feel terrible about all the things she's done. She's going to feel terrible about the situation that Hank is in. And that's all because of, you know, this complete, this separate ob- stuff that was put in way when all of the blame really lies on Max, you know? So. Uh, the next hunter has everyone. Next hunter. Why did I, I said hunter because I read the word manhunter? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next episode is manhunter. Uh, which has everyone not trusting Hank slash John Jones because yeah, after years of trusting him, it suddenly turned out he's an alien. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'll, I just have to throw in that I really love that Jeremiah Danvers, who cause we, you know, we learned about the backstory with that, is Dean Cain, who was Clark Kent slash Superman in uh, Lois goodness, and Clark. I didn't put that together. So... <laughs> <laughs> I see it now. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So okay, we can we can continue talking about the episode. I just needed to throw that out because uh, I, I enjoy that so much. So speaking of actors, <laughs> uh I really love Eddie McClintlock and he's a guest star in this episode. But I hate his character in this episode. because uh, Eddie McClintlock was one of the main characters in Warehouse 13 and he's goofy and he's goofy in real life. Uh like I've seen him at Dragon Con multiple times, you know, when he's on the stage, he's just super goofy, super fun. And in this episode, he is none of those things. <laughs> he's he's kind of terrible. I mean, acting. <laughs> right, right. But uh, it's just like, I hate hating him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's playing this Marine Colonel who is apparently friends with Hank Henkshaw, which first off, then should not be the person investigating this. Uh, talk right. about bias. Um, 
this is the episode that also has uh, Lucy breaking uh, all reasonable ways of how the military works, which is once you quit the military, short of a war, you can't re-up. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're an officer, if you resign your commission, you do not get it back. Uh, but she just gets it back. Suddenly, she's back at her same old position and previous rank of being a major and in the JAG. Because apparently that's how that works. Uh, and she's investigating this whole thing as well. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a weird episode. I, on the one hand, I buy the hysteria of people being like, an alien has infiltrated our government organization. On the other hand, I feel like they'd look at the record of the government organization and be like, well, oh, he's been doing this for 10 years. He's run it pretty well. <laughs> so, meh. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about it, Michael? I just pretty much agree. Uh, it, it's irritating. And part of it is that, for whatever reason, and this happens a lot in superhero things, but you basically have to make the entire military leadership a bunch of idiots, and it's really exhausting when I watch it. It's like, ugh. They wouldn't be this, like, there are all kinds of actual problems with military leadership, but them all being idiots is not one of them. Yeah. You know, like, and, and it, it just, and that, that is really the best, like, this is not them being obstinate, that's a part of it. They're being stupid, you know, and, and it, it's, it's tiring, and I, I pretty much never like it, so, um, but that's like, I mean, you know, going to the other DC shows, like, I never liked Amanda Waller as a, as a character because like despite all of her like shades of gray stuff she does lots of stupid things just for the sake of being evil because that's how people write her yeah and it's weird um so yeah similar sort of thing um they do talk about project cadmus which um is a long-standing dc thing that actually a lot of the time is actually run by amanda waller which is why this came to mind um so um yeah in various versions i think uh you're familiar with Doomsday as a character, right? Generally. Generally. So Doomsday being, uh, you know, there are various origins, but in his first version, he was a Project Cadmus creation. Mm. Um, made, like, basically a clone of Superman gone awry by the government because they're messing with things they shouldn't be messing with. Um, and so that's, a, you know, just some background for Project Cadmus and that it's a long, lingering thing in DC. Um, but yeah, so Hank and Alex... Though I think they're on their way to Cadmus in this, right? Yes. So because Hank's an alien, and then it's revealed Alex knew he was an alien because right. apparently Lucy just hates Alex. I I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, there's this whole scene right where Alex passes the uh, test, the the lie detector test, and then Lucy's just like, "Oh, she's lying." And they're like, yep, yeah. then she must be lying. Like, what What the What the heck just happened here? I, I, Lucy hates Alex? Lucy, uh, why would they believe it when the lie detector test just said uh, she wasn't lying? Like, it, there's literally no reason for it, but... I mean, the only reason is to give Supergirl the opportunity to bring Lucy around by telling her her secret identity, but it, it feels like they could have set that up in a different way. Yeah, and so now because of this, Alex and Hank, they're being taken to Project Cadmus, Kara has to convince Lucy around and then Kara and Lucy go break them out. And now Alex and Hank are, uh, fugitives. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, but, uh, Hank does at least use the opportunity to, uh, 
to get Harper to resign. And uh, so, you know, Eddie McClintock's character to resign and appoint Lucy as the director of the DEO. So, and um, he, he, because he reads, you know, Colonel's mind, he realizes Jeremiah is still alive. Oh yeah, that's right. And at project Cadmus, it's assumed. Yeah. So that's Um, Hank and Alex's plan on the road is to go get Jeremiah. uh, And it's also the very end of this episode where Siobhan is trying to get Kara fired but Wynn catches her, and then they discover she has the power to do the sonic screaming thing. Which we do we discover where she gets that power? Yes, the banshee thing. I don't it's remember. in the next episode. Oh, okay. uh, so they talk about oh, how oh, right. it's some it's family, family curse. But otherwise, I'm like, wait. So her power is she's uh, the black canary. <laughs> I'm confused. Well, yeah, but the banshee's been around for a long time. Like it is yeah. a the banshee is. I want to say, I'm trying to think about how long in in uh, DC, but. Whatever. Banshee has been a character um, for a long time. So, so I, I don't actually remember which is first. Before uh, we move on to the Ray of Sunshine that is most of the next episode, I do want to talk about Banshee. Because in the next episode, she discovers she has this family curse. and Which is so weird. She now wants to kill Supergirl and Kara. Um, and she goes to team up with Livewire, who escapes. She frees her because... Siobhan does because I don't know she hates Kara um, and so the best way to deal with this is to set a supervillain free I, I don't know um, but Livewire is like oh we need to change your look and I need to talk about this she gives Silver Banshee a costume <laughs> Silver Banshee doesn't look like this Silver Banshee is Siobhan Livewire looks different because she got struck by lightning and has like superpowers like Silver Banshee looks like a normal girl and then Livewire changes her look and gives her, like, color contacts because it's a good idea to fight in color contacts when you have sonic powers. Doesn't that seem like a bad idea? Like, uh, she's wearing a wig. She's got this weird costume. Once again, the costuming in this show is very bad um, right. for villains. And I just found it incredibly unbelievable and, like, difficult to fight in this costume Livewire decided Silver Banshee needed to wear. Yeah. 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 At least it wasn't a guy telling her she needed to change her look. Yeah, yeah. That would have been that would have been worse. <laughs> but you know, really, the bad guys in this episode are unimportant because the important yeah. thing is the Ray. That of Grant Sunshine. Gustin is here. Yeah. We get Grant Gustin on the show, and Grant Gustin is the single best thing about all of DC television right now. So, uh, <laughs> so seeing these two people on screen at the same time, Grant Flash, Gustin being Flash. Yeah, the Flash from the DC show, the the current running show. Seeing him and, you know, so, man, it's just, they are delightful. They are so pleasant to watch interact, and they just make you want to smile. Like, all the promo shots of them together when they were doing this show, it's just great. And I cannot wait to see them interact more. Agreed. I just, you know, when they're like, he's from an alternate universe, that's so cool. And then it's like, well, she's an alien. He's like, alien? We don't have aliens, you know? And he's just so excited. (laughs) Uh, It's just like nerds. Yeah. And then like, I love the part where there's like, at, you know, the DEO. And he's like, well, at my day job, I fight crime too. (laughs) And so he helps them as like Barry Allen and not just as like the Flash, you know? Right. Oh. It's so it's so great. Like he was such a natural fit. It, it makes me totally makes me a uh, a cross universe Barry Kara shipper. Oh yeah, like for sure. If that if that could be a thing, I'd be 
just yes, all in. Like show us one universe where that happens, please. Yes. Well, because... you know how I feel about Barry Iris, so I am all there for Barry Kara. <laughs> so Barry Kara would be great. You have, you know, presumably they can lead a like superhero team. Sure, Superman's allowed to help them out from time to time, but it'd be all about them, really. <laughs> it'd be so that would be like the greatest couple show ever. It would be so much fun. You just you have the two of them interact. You, you make it like a like a superhero. Um, what's the, what's the genre of show that I can't think of right now? Um, sitcom. Just make it like a superhero sitcom with the two of them as the leads. You know, it would be it'd be oh. wonderful. It'd be beautiful. I need more of this. <laughs> uh, I I love how. Uh, I loved when Barry was like, what's the plan? And Kara is like, punch them real hard, you know, because <laughs> Kara, you know, thus far has not really gone into things with plans. Whereas Barry is super used to like the team, you know, making a plan. And then Kara has to realize later, oh, maybe making a plan is a good thing. So she like learned something from this. Um, I just love, I, I love that Cat Grant realizes Barry is the Flash, Um because it's like, oh, your random friend randomly shows up at the same time as this guy, and you're all super awkward about it, and he's weirdly insistent about the name of this superhero. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, so funny. Yeah, I, it just, yeah, it's so great. I want more of this, please, please, CW. Uh, and then there's the ending of the episode where Kara tells James about his feelings. His feelings? Or her feelings, rather. And then she kisses him, and he doesn't respond. Because yeah. spell. Because myriad happened. And so we, we, we finally show, um, like, initially you're like, wait, what, what's going on? Why is he... Because for a second, you think that maybe he's just shocked. Yeah. But then, no, he, like, walks off like a zombie. And then you find that everybody else is, too. Um, including Superman. Okay. Which makes no sense it at all. Makes no sense at all. Their their whole argument is because he was raised as a human, so he's basically a human. Does it work that way? No, that sh- that doesn't make any sense because it but then why does kryptonite work on him? Like no, yeah. none of this makes any sense. Uh, like, they just didn't want to have Superman in here and they needed to get rid of him and instead of having some other thing come up where like no, Superman's not here because he's off planet fighting, I don't know. Yeah. Brainiac. I, that's the weird thing about this whole Superman thing is there are so many easy ways for them to get around Superman being unavailable to help. And they just don't take any of the easy options that would take a throwaway sentence here or there, you know, through the series. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why they just, it's like they wanted it to feel awkward. Yeah. Um, and the only people who aren't under this spell is Kara because she's an alien more so than Superman. Uh, Maxwell Lord, because he was preparing for it, and Cat Grant, because out of all the people Maxwell Lord was going to save, he saved Cat. I, I really don't understand. By sending her, by giving her gifts as like, uh, was it earrings, earrings or something? And somehow knowing she would wear them? Yeah. I, I, this is, it makes no sense. And then, so. You could have come up with much better hand wavy reasons. Cat comes it, into work that morning like nothing has happened, right? Even though this thing right. happened the night before. She didn't realize what was going on. She just she didn't realize didn't that nobody else was driving on her son or the nanny or like anything. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. The setup is dumb. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there were better ways to have 
yeah. It, it, so we've got these three. Alex and 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 the Martian Manhunter are actually outside the influence. So Alex is not under the control because it's just National City. So the people outside of National City are kind of like freaking out, right? Um, but they're basically Maxwell Lord creates this kryptonite bomb that will kill the Kryptonians, but might kill like a third of the humans or something like that. In the city, yeah. Uh, I assume through like allergic reactions and things like that to kryptonite and breathing it in. Um, yeah. But uh, that's the only plan they have uh, until they come up with this better plan of appealing to like people's hope. Uh, right. But to do that, they have to go to this old TV station, and Max and and Cat are trying to do that. And while they're trying to do that, Alex and Hank had come back to the city to try to help Supergirl, but Hank had to protect Alex's mind. And then when he was fighting someone, he couldn't do that. And so Alex is under the control, and now Alex and Kara are fighting. So I, I just I need to throw something here. I love the, the hope theme. I, I mean, it is why Superman is my single favorite fictional character from anything there is no reason for them to think that this would work no reason at all no no reason at all and it is stupid yes <laughs> but it does allow for some poignant scenes but it, it's just like what why would you think like you maybe you need to see if you can test it on somebody before you try yeah. it before and, you give away your location and sure and, you know. if you can appeal to the humanity inside people i through this like connection she has i could see it affecting alex i could see it affecting like jimmy and win and maybe a couple of people she has directly saved but average joe schmo in national city but even even if you could say that what is the reason to believe that this would really get through to them and give them the power to overthrow their control like oh, we haven't seen no reason. That. humans are not that, strong enough to do these I, things what i mean is you know even if we i'm i'm fine with believing in the strength of human character and stuff like that but what are the mechanics here? Like, there's no reason to believe the mechanics work in terms of there allowing no the like, mechanics. The mechanics <laughs> are hand waving and uh, hope. And it's frustrating again because it's like, you know, if you had as terrible as it is, the right choice would have been the kryptonite bomb because you haven't been given a reason to believe this other stuff would work. You well, know, like I assume if the hope thing didn't work, they would do the kryptonite bomb. They still I, have it, but they didn't even like they didn't be like, hey, let's try this. You know, it probably won't work, but Let's try. Yeah, I also and, find it weird know, that Cat was opposed to the kryptonite bomb because I don't feel like that's something she'd I don't think necessarily she be opposed to. I think to. it would have been Kara who would be the one opposing it. And then you have some accusation of her not wanting to throw her own life away, in which case it's like, no, of course I would. But I don't know. It, it feels a very weird, weird dynamic there from then to decide. Like, I'm, once, I'm, once they've decided this is what they're going to do, I'm fine with it. But the decision-making process was weak. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, this whole thing continues. Um, Indigo's involved. Uh, obviously, she beats John Jones, but then Alex is under mind control and is uh, is fighting Kara, yeah. right? Yeah, so they have this whole big fight, but then John Jones comes, he got free of Indigo. He escaped. He went and grabbed Kara's mother, uh, or Alex and Kara's mother, and is protecting her mind and it's actually the mother that breaks alex's control um which once again if supergirl couldn't get through to alex i don't know why she'd get through the whole city um but uh so they inspire national city national city is free of the control but 
Non and Mir- and Indigo are still angsty, so they just keep increasing Myriad, so it's going to explode everyone's brains. Yeah. Uh, worldwide, right? I, I, I would think so, but I don't know so. Um, I don't remember. And then uh, they have a heat vision battle, which is just a weird... I'm not sure heat vision works like lasers. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, they... Also, lasers <laughs> don't work like that anyway. Well, heat lasers definitely don't. Heat vision, I think they, you know, they talk... The way that it's affected or dealt with in a lot of Superman stuff, it's like weird energy beams, I, you know, that they have some kind of... Almost like they have kin- kinetic impact of their own rather than just heat when it's convenient, but at other times it swaps. It's a very weird Yeah, thing. it's almost I mean, like they're Cyclops eye beams. Yeah, that they deal with it. They like switch back and forth between them being Cyclops eye beams and heat. And even in good versions of Superman, like in really, really good renditions where they're thoughtful, they do this. And it's a very odd thing. It's also just um, weird visually to see what's essentially a staring contest. Yeah, because really what would be happening is if they're both looking at each other, both of their eyeballs would be boiling. Like, you're basically just both throwing heat into each other's eyes, right? Like, the beams shouldn't have fronts to them that are, like, physically contacting, I feel like. I agree. They, uh, th- I mean, so. they, they, they confuse it with Cyclops eye beams and then also Voldemort and Harry fighting at the end of book four. Yeah. And there's all, all kinds of other things, like... Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z energy blasts and lots of other, this is, this kind of thing happens a lot in other pieces of fiction, but it makes more sense when it's not explicitly heat vision. Yeah. Um, anyways, this whole thing happens. Uh, John Jones rips Indigo apart. Yeah. Into like, like literally. two pieces. Um, which is okay. Cause she's not a living creature. Yeah. Which <laughs> um, also doesn't make sense on why that would stop her, but what else? Right. It's like, is she just a really badly constructed computer thing where she has no like doesn't have redundancy i, I don't yeah, understand I don't. she should be able to recreate herself from like one finger i feel like but, yeah uh yeah so kara has to shut down myriad because it's in fort Roz. they can't stop it and to do this she's going to take it to space and yeah. I was really confused here, uh, and we had a whole Twitter conversation about it, because it was my understanding from every Superman thing ever that Kryptonians can fly in space. Yeah, they, they totally should be able to. But Alex is very concerned about Kara not being able to push against anything in space, which, what is Kara pushing against on Earth, I would like to know? Uh, and... Uh, it's like they were trying to be scientifically accurate to be like, well, there's nothing in space. And they went too far because Superman's not but scientifically accurate. Because you've watched this more than uh, more recently than I have. Did she actually have problems flying when she got to space? Yes. She, st- uh. like, she started floating and passing out and only survived because Alex rescued her. Yeah, see, that's weird. Like, I, I would be fine with Alex throwing out the question, and then because she just doesn't know, and it turns out, oh, we don't understand how her powers work. Um, that's but what I thought it was going to be. Did. I thought it was going to be a revelation that, oh no, Kara could fly in space. Yeah, so that that does make it weird. I don't know why they would hamstring her power that way because it it actually makes gives her less to use in the future. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, does no, Superman fly to Krypton in like Superman two? Like, I mean, well, again, you don't have to be consistent with the way people's powers work. I mean, if you think about the way that uh, he has the ability to go back in time in the super, the original Superman sure. movies, which is but not a the thing, thing is, is there's no way Kara's power works by her using air. Right, right. No, that, no, that, that, that literally makes no sense. <laughs> like, yeah. with how she flies. 
So she's got to be using gravity or some other force field if she's using anything. If anything, she flies more for the same reason that Magneto can fly, right? But that would work in space, not not because she's using magnetic fields, but because I assume she's using gravity. If you're going to give a science reason for it. Yeah, I think the the current generally accepted canonical reason is that he one of his powers is the ability to alter his gravitational field. Like, so theoretically, that should work anytime you're close enough to anything that has gravity. Um, or like anytime you're close to a large gravitational field. Yeah. So, and that's even if they bother to explain it that much, rather than to just say, look, he can move himself regardless of where other things are, <laughs> you know, uh, and therefore she can too. Yeah. But anyway, Alex rescues her using Kara's ship. And uh, uh, John Jones is made director of DEO again, I think. Um, but Lucy's still there. So that's confusing. Cat uh, uh, gives Kara a promotion, but to a job she can decide later. It's just a general promotion. I didn't know promotions worked that way. Um, and then they're having this party, and I thought the episode was going to end happy, and I was actually happy because I'm like, oh, look at all this happiness, everyone's celebrating. And then another pod lands on Earth, and Mandy is confused. Yeah, well, and Kara is too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, what do you, do you have any theories on what's inside the pod? Nope, I don't know anything about Superman. So, I, I mean, I know plenty about Superman, and I have no idea what's on the. Like, I just don't have any predictions. I'm just like, um, who, what, was this something else in the negative zone? If so, why did it take, like, ten more years? I, I, I really just don't want it to be another Kryptonian. I'm tired of Kryptonians. Probably is going to be. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But maybe it'll be a baby Kryptonian that Kara has to adopt and raise. Maybe it's herself. Wow. <laughs> that would be weird. It would be weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's Kal-El, and it turns out that this Superman's a fake. <gasps> <laughs> no, I just... I, Wouldn't that be know, a twist? I, that'd be a twist. And I really can't think of anything that it could be within reason, other than, like, someone she recognizes. So, like, a family member of some kind. Um, maybe her dad or something, or her uncle, Jarell. Because um, did we get confirmation that they died? Uh, or just, is it the assumption? I think it's the assumption, but I would hope they're not still alive. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, so what are we looking forward to in the next season? Uh, I am looking forward to Superman. Yes. Let us please make that non-awkward. Have them interact normally. Have there be good reasons for why he is around and why he's not. And um, have them be, you know, act like relatives. Yeah. Because uh, I, I assume, now this may be thinking more of Superman's character than is there, but I tend to think highly of Superman. That even though he dropped off Kara with these random people, he was still around while she was growing up. Well, they do text back and forth during the show, so assume like it, it sure seems like they have a real relationship. Now, my understanding is canonically in the comics, <laughs> this was during the seventies and when Supergirl was created, and I was reading online, which once again, you know, everything on the internet is obviously true. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Uh, that Superman just like drops her off at like an orphanage and it's actually like weird. <laughs> well, but that's like initially, I mean, there are again, various versions. There are versions where they have no real relationship. There are versions where she has spurned the relationship. There are versions where they have a good one. Like, you know, it, it's people often, you know, until recently off very, 
very most of the time it was men creating stories and you know, something problematic has happened and then somebody refines it and improves it later. Right. Um, I, I so. mean, I guess I didn't want Superman to have a teenage sidekick. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I just would like to think that Clark has been around her entire life and has invested in her. And the only reason why he did not raise her himself is because he knew that a 24-year-old raising a 14-year-old is not as good as a family that already has a 14-year-old raising a 14-year-old. Um uh, and there's also the fact that uh, if they had, I would guess that, you know, an alternate option would have been to have her show up or to raise by his parents or whatever. Although we don't know what his parent situation is in this show. I imagine the know. kids are old now. Well, <laughs> if if they're both around, right? Because like yeah. in some versions, his dad dies and so on. But uh, But even so, like for them to raise another person, another, you know, child and it for not to raise questions. Yeah. Would be weird because like, be like, wait. So you have a surprise cousin who's around now and then in a few years if she started to use her powers, which he certainly would leave her the freedom to do, you know, then it'd be like, so I feel like it would be kind of a huge risk in bringing their identities into question. Um, and other people may actually be better equipped to handle that. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm very much looking to crossovers. I would love for them to be able to convincingly give us a um i don't know a way to bring it into the arrowverse without it feeling awkward um i mean there's going to have to work at to some degree with power magnification cuz you know the flash does have some significant powers that that she doesn't like his speed and the like cross dimensional stuff and the fact that he can go through things those are significant powers she doesn't have but she's still kind of an a tier superhero in terms of power and he's like an A minus tier <laughs> kind of, you know, there, there's a difference there versus if you compare it to everything that he's seen so far and you compare that to arrow and he's just inconsequential there. Yeah. So we'll see how they deal with that. You know, how, how Ollie deals with the fact that he compared to Barry and Kara, you know, what does he have? And it may be it's experience at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And the I mean, musical and episode. <laughs> is there is there a musical episode? It's going to be a musical episode with Kara oh my and goodness. Barry. Kara and Barry. Wait, both of them? That is wow. Okay, that is something to look forward to for sure. Um, I uh, going to the Arrow comment. I they have a model for Batman, you know, so they could try and do that effectively, but they've got their work cut out for them. So where he can be like the one non superpowered member of a superpowered team, but use him use his experience and his knowledge well and and stuff but uh i mean and it's not like kara doesn't interact with non-superpowered people all the time too so i imagine that you can get um what's uh alex and and ollie interacting in a way that makes sense you you didn't watch the uh clip that cw recently put out did you of no. kara and ollie and barry no i didn't okay then i won't say anything. okay because I know you don't like. Yeah, I tend to avoid previews and stuff all, all the time. I, I recently um, just got things set up at home where I can do over-the-air broadcasts and DVR them. And that's how I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for instance. And I keep turning it off right before those previews for the next episode show. Um, because I didn't used to get that. They don't do those on the online streaming stuff. Or they generally, like, you would just have to look it up separately. And it was easy for me to just not look them up. But now that it comes up all the time, I make sure to turn it off before I see it because I like to go into things blind. So, yep, yeah. So <sighs> I think that's uh, all I have on 
Supergirl. Yeah, that's uh, that's it for for this episode. I, I mean, I really do like the show a lot, and I enjoy I, I enjoy that it exists. So, uh, yeah. And on, on that note, uh, for everybody who's listening, you can follow us at triviallycrucial.com. You can follow the show itself on Twitter at trivcrucial. Mandy is brown underscore aja. That's A J A H, and I am Alhim. That's A U H I M. 